I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey, everybody, it's Don LaGreca. Thank you for joining us for a Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. The reason for that is it just seems silly to record before 3 o'clock at the deadline yesterday, try to get all of the deals in. Most of the, I think, really important deals happened before we even got to Monday, but then maybe the biggest deal happened seconds before the deadline came to an end, and to go through all of it is the great, and I mean great, E.J. Raddick. How are you, buddy? Well, I'm glad you mean it. I'm really glad you mean it. In past, I have been concerned. Does he really mean it? But now, when you say that, I'm you know. No, uh, listen, what can no, I? What can I add? Oh, listen. There's a reason that you're my only regular, and you know how much I love you. And, and, and great. And maybe uh, I throw it around a little bit too much, but not with you. All right. Well, thank you, thank you. Here you are, the wonderful, the kind, the good son. If yes. I could. Yes, no. there's no question. And I and I do a lot to be the good son, and my brother does a lot to be the bad one. Yes, that's right. And I have an intimate knowledge of the uh, negative impact he's had on many lives. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I can well, back that up. We love Dave, but you know what? Some people are good at things, and some people aren't. And that's yeah, what it comes down fair. to. Uh, no, nah, but we yeah. love Dave, and he is the great Dave Lagreca, and you're the great EJ Raddick, and 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 let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about the deadline, right. and and I think that okay. was a fair assessment, right? Not a lot of movement that really did anything for me the day of the trading deadline until we got to three o'clock, and and the Mantha deal has me confused. Now I'm a fan of his, and I and I, and I do think he will do well in Washington, and I get that there are finances involved here, and apparently some sense of body language that we got to get into as well. But I like what Rana was doing in Washington. I don't know why you would disrupt things when the team is playing as well as they are. Um, just your overall sense of uh, of that Washington deal moments before the deadline was up yesterday. Well, I think it was two players, both first-round picks a year apart, uh, that and when you look at their numbers, Don, their numbers are kind of they're somewhat similar, but um, the I think there are two players that kind of fell out of favor in their particular spots. I mean, I, and both guys have been healthy scratch this year, which tells you that their coaches were, you know, were hoping for more out of those players. In Washington's case, um, you know, it's a new coach, so that makes it even a little bit trickier uh, moving forward. But uh, you know, there was this, it's kind of a lot to, there was a lot, there's a lot into it. And, you know, the way I would look at it is this, the Washington Capitals, they want a little cost certainty. They wanted to add another a guy that they see as a high potential guy, big, strong forward. Detroit had recently signed him. He's got a couple of years left on his contract. Detroit was looking to maybe move away from him. They just felt like, you know, not consistent enough of a player. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times when, and, you know, and this happens in all sports, Don. When teams have a player, they over, 
scout the guy to sort of speak. They they learn all of his, you know, the positives, but they dwell sometimes too much on the negatives. There are no perfect players, and there are guys that have upside to their game, and and they have downside. I think both these guys are good players, and and they will continue to find success in this league. But for the Capitals, they get cost certainty. They get another big forward. I mean, this is a big team, Donnie, with Tom Wilson and yeah. Ovi and Chara and Carlson. I mean, this is this is a big, big team to deal with. And, uh, you know, Mantha adds a little to that. Mantha, if he can be, uh, you know, if he can be more consistent and playing with the guys that he's going to have around him in Washington now, I mean, this is a guy that could be a 30-plus goal scorer. Um, from the other side of the coin, for the Red Wings, they're a rebuilding group. They get a really good player in Vrana. They will have to come to, come to some kind of contract agreement with him, but they know that going into it. Uh, he's a skilled player that kind of fits in with what they're trying to build there. Uh, they take on uh, the panic contract as part of the deal, but in doing so, they end up getting a couple draft picks, you know, as well here to get a, uh, a first and a second, a first this year, a second next year. So I think for both teams, I think they have accomplished what they wanted to. For Washington, the window is, is it's open, but it's not open for much longer with older players, Ovechkin and Backstrom there. So they're trying to win in the next year or two. And uh, so they get that uh, they get that accomplished, and they get that cost certainty with this player. And for the Detroit Red Wings, uh, they add a couple more picks to the mix, and they get a player that's got a high skill level, and they're willing to take on the money on panic. So that's really what it comes down to. But it was terrific to have a hockey deal yesterday, and it, yeah. it kind of shook everybody up right at the end. No, it did. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Because there wasn't, you know, there was, you know, some moves, but I don't think anything really earth shattering. And then you go back to, I guess, the second biggest deal might be, well, the Bennett was, I think, pretty significant too. But, you know, Hall to Boston, because it's intriguing to me because what Hall is going to play in Boston? Because if you can get anything that he did in New Jersey when he won the heart, this is a great a great deal for Boston. And right now they're kind of lethargic with their goaltending situation being up in the air. They seem to be real top-heavy with Bergeron and Marchand. Be able to add some depth certainly can help on the power play. But if it's going to be the haul that we saw in Buffalo, a haul that we saw a lot after that Hart Trophy, I'm not really sure what you're going to, uh, how, how much he's going to contribute. So is it really just come down to what haul Boston gets here down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's a it's a great fit for Taylor. Uh, you know, he's never been the same player that he was that year, a couple of years back when he won the MVP. He had some injury problems after that. Maybe that's the that's what uh, it accounts for. Um, the Devils did not play nearly as well in subsequent years. He moved to Arizona. It wasn't quite a really. It wasn't really a great fit there. Another team that's kind of challenged to score. Buffalo, uh, you know, that was just a complete mess this year for everybody. So, you know, you, you you almost can get a pass on that. But he's going to Boston now. 
this is a team that can insulate him, you know, defensively, and uh, he can they can put him with a really good centerman and David Krejci, and it really comes down to this: if he if he's if he's still, you know, if he's if he's if he's healthy enough in terms of you know not somebody that lost the step due to injury, right? If he's if he's in, if he's competitive enough, healthy enough. He's in a great situation to be successful because he's got a really good center in there. They can move maybe uh, Craig Smith over to the right side, play him on the left between Krejci and, uh, or on the outside of Krejci. And, you know, he's got a chance to really to do well as his contract expires and maybe reset his career. But it's a big, it's a big bet for him for sure because he's going to have to go there and play well if he doesn't. He's an expiring contract. Who knows what the future will hold after, uh, you know, if things don't go well there on the back of not going well in Buffalo and not really going all that well in Arizona. So uh, there's a great, it's a great spot. It's a good fit. It's good for the Bruins. It's a low-risk move for them. Uh, you know, they traded Bjork in a second. Uh, a lot of people talked about the return for Taylor Hall. I would just say that, Every player, the market is different for every single player. And in the case of Taylor Hall, he did have a no-move clause. And in Buffalo, they have, let's face it, they have an inexperienced management group right there. If, if this had been a more experienced group and they had better offers on the table, they might have been able to squeeze Taylor Hall. Because let's face it, I don't think he wanted to stay in Buffalo the rest of the season on an expiring contract and hope that somebody would take a chance on him next year. So in the end... Taylor Hall gets a good gets to go to a place that really could be good for him, but he's going to have to perform. We'll see if he can do it. And for the Bruins, they've been looking for that second line scoring help now for years. Maybe this is a perfect match. We will see. Yeah, we will see. And then uh, Toronto uh, getting Felino. I thought that was a big deal for them too. Yeah, you know, uh, I like Nick Foligno. I thought he would have been a great fit for the Islanders. Yeah. They went out and, and got Paul Henry and Zajac, so they were out of the market for Foligno. But for the Leafs, you know, Donnie, a lot of people were saying, you know, the Leafs should go after Taylor Hall. That was not a fit. They didn't need a player like Taylor Hall. They needed a player like Nick Foligno, and that's why they were willing to pay a premium to get him because people have compared the return for Foligno and the return for Hall. And again, I would tell you that it, the, the market for players is complete, is always different depending upon the player, the situation, the teams that are interested, the leverage that a player may or may not have with a no-move clause. So I like Foligno. I think he'll be a good fit there. Unfortunately, he's got to be in cold storage for seven days through right. the quarantine, so a bit of time. But I think once he gets acclimated there, he's just a He's a heart and soul guy. He can go up and down your lineup. He's got good size. He's a good defensive player. He'll play, uh, you know, in different situations of the game. And I just think he'll be a really helpful player for the Toronto Maple Leafs and someone who fits what they're looking to add to their group. So um, I thought that was a good move. I thought Riley Nash, if he could get healthy for the playoffs, could be a good, helpful back-end forward for them. I thought getting a big save Dave Riddick from the Calgary Flames was a real good depth move for that team when they have some goaltending issues and injuries. So that was a positive as well. And then they got Ben Houghton from, from Anaheim as a depth defenseman and someone that's been, been playing in the league now with a little experience and to kind of give them a little bit of 
we always say, Donnie, you never have enough defensemen as you get ready for the postseason. So I thought for uh, you know for the Leafs, they did a pretty nice job of filling some spots. But you know we'll see. It all has to work out. I mean, the, the plans are always good in terms of oh yeah, this makes sense for us. But how it actually works out on the ice is always two different things. So who's their goaltender when the playoffs start? Well, I got to think it's Jack Campbell based on what's happened of late. I mean, Freddie Anderson, we're going to have to see if he's even healthy enough to play. And, you know, we had, you know, I've been working with Bruce Boudreau over at the NHL Network, and Bruce had Freddie early in his career in Anaheim. And he loves Freddie, but he did say something interesting about him. He said, you know, he's one of these guys that really has to feel 100% to perform. He's not somebody that you can kind of gut it out with. You know, he's dinged up, but he'll go in there and he'll, he'll perform. Said Freddie is one of those guys that really needs to be feeling 100 percent before he plays to the, to the level that he's capable of playing. So uh, right now he's got some injury issues. They are fortunate that Jack Campbell's played well. He's had a few little injury things he's dealt with, uh, but the addition of Dave Riddick I think is helpful because it gives him another option above and beyond Michael Hutchinson. And then you know Bennett to Florida. You know Florida's. Um struggling a little bit offensively now, but it's such a battle for the top spot, right? And I don't know how important it is to have it, but you know, between Tampa, Florida, and Carolina, those are three really good teams. Um, and Tampa's got the experience, and you know, Carolina's been really good. I mean, it's uh, it's probably something Florida, it, it, it's something worth doing for them, right? It's a second-round pick, but certainly he can be a help in this battle for first. Yeah, well, he's got the reputation of being a, a kind of a hard-nosed playoff player, someone that yeah. elevates his game in the postseason. And, you know, Bill Zito has tried to change the culture there, and I think to a large part he's done a really good job, Don, because they've brought in players that have a little bit of uh, sandpaper, a little bit of edginess, and also guys that they're just – they don't they're, – they're, they're competitive guys that aren't going to – you know that that losing is not an option for them. You know, it's just that it's not a winning. It's not a winning is great and losing is okay kind of mantra, which we've seen there in the past. It's been more of a group that's been dug in with the additions of a guy like Hornquist, certainly Gudas. They're hoping Bennett can add that kind of sandpaper, that edge, to their group moving forward, and it could be a really good move for them. I mean, Bennett just has not. He was a really high draft pick, and sometimes guys. You know they they have they're not as good as that number. You know if you're a fourth overall pick, maybe you're still a good helpful player, but you're just not maybe someone that's going to live up to being a fourth overall pick. I think a guy that comes to mind <clears throat> for me in that regard is Pavel Zaka with the Devils. I mean I believe he was a sixth overall pick. He's a really good player, and I think he's going to play in the league a long time. I just don't know when you look at it. There probably were guys that were drafted after him that end up being better players, but it doesn't yeah. mean that Zaka isn't really good and can't help you win. And I think, you know, Sam Bennett, I think, dealt with a little bit out of Calgary. It's a fresh start for him in, uh, in Florida. And, you know, to your point about the race there, I think it's really important for the Florida Panthers to win the division if they're going to make any push in the playoffs just because of the way it sets up, right? If they could... If they can win the division and then deal with a Nashville or a Dallas, let's say, and that'll be hard enough because, you know, those teams present their own challenges. But to avoid to avoid Tampa and Carolina in the first round and then to have those two teams play each other, 
I mean, I think of the three, I think Florida would be the, would benefit the most from finishing first. I, you know, I think all of them would, but I think Florida would probably benefit the most. They've got some injury issues, obviously. Ekblad out for the season. They went out and got Brandon Montour. Um, Gustav Forsling has emerged and has been playing pretty well for them down there as another defenseman. So, you know, we will see how it plays out. But it's been a really good year for the Florida Panthers. And now, you know, Sam Bennett gets a fresh lease on life and maybe he'll come down there and, and be a real helpful player for them. Yeah, it should be very, very interesting for sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, everything else, you know, the Islanders adding a little bit to the blue line. We've seen Lou do that before, right? You don't want to be short in case there are kind of injuries, different things that can happen. So the Colburn was a was a nice pickup for for the Isles after making the Palmieri deal and bringing over um, Zajac as well. And 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 listen, they gave up a first round pick, but clearly they're going for it. So I mean, the Islanders, you know, they. Now, they didn't look great against the Rangers, but still in a battle with Washington. Again, I'm not sure how important it is to win uh, that division for the Islanders, but uh, just overall between the deal that they made with New Jersey and the little maintenance one at the end there, just where do you think the Islanders are right now as they try to make a, a pursuit, not just to getting through their division, but also trying to win the Cup? Well, I would tell you one thing. You know, you said they didn't look great against the Rangers. And, you know, the Rangers are going to make a lot of teams look bad down the stretch because the Rangers are playing really well. I mean, yeah. the Rangers have some good players, and they are a dangerous team, and they are going to be a fun team to watch in the coming, you know, and over, over the course of the next five and six years. I mean, this is a team that has the potential to really be uh, a Stanley Cup contender, Stanley Cup winner somewhere during this decade with the young players they've amassed there. Uh, the general manager, Jeff Gordon, has got to figure it out and try to add, make those additions along the way, and that's that's not easy. That's really the toughest part of putting together a winner, but I'm really impressed with, uh, you know, Kratzoff is, was, is already making an impact, and you can yeah. see some improvement from Kako and, and from uh, Lafreniere, and of course they already have Panera in there, and Fox and Miller. I mean, they got guys coming behind them. So, really impressed with the Rangers, and uh, you know it's a great time for them too because when you look at it, you know the Penguins and the Capitals and the Bruins. I mean, their windows are closing, and the Rangers' window is just starting to open. So that's going to open things up in the East uh, for them down the road. But. To get back to the Islanders, this is a really good team. They're really well coached. They added a couple of pieces that will fit within the system that they have, which always makes sense. Last year they added J.G. Pajot, he, that he was a fit. A lot of people talked again about Taylor Hall. I didn't see him as a fit with the Islanders. No. I thought, and I know there was, there was some interest apparently, but I thought that the, the moves they made to bring in, you know, Palmieri and Zajac, make a lot of sense based on the way the Islanders play and Lamarillo and obviously knows Zajac. I mean, he drafted him so long ago and he's, you know, he's a loop player for sure. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for them, but uh, this, is a, this is a good team and 
uh, they got great goaltenders, and you know the thing I would really be concerned about is if you know one of those high end defensemen went down. But you know that you could say about pretty much everybody, right? I mean, in Tampa, if Victor Hedman went down, I mean that's a huge problem. So yeah. uh, I think the Islanders group they're in tight. It's, it's they're in tough in that division with those four teams. And all of them made moves, Donnie. I mean, the Capitals made a big move. The Penguins added Jeff Carter to the mix. Uh, you know, the, the Bruins added Hall. The Islanders did what they did. So there was a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a nuclear buildup for all four teams, and uh, it's going to make for a very very interesting stretch run and for playoffs where the you know the the, the these first two rounds in some of these divisions are just going to be a nightmare because there are good teams that are going to go home after one round because of the way it's set up this year. Yeah, there's no question about it. And getting back to the Rangers, you know, you look at four points out of a playoff spot. Boston's got two games in hand, but a a door's open here for the Rangers because they've got four consecutive games with the Devils. Now, that's never easy. You know, we we saw Ottawa beat Winnipeg last night, right? So four games in a row against the team, it's going to be tough to sweep all four. But if they were to do that, you're looking at going into next week, maybe only being a couple of points back, maybe just a game in hand for Boston. I mean, this isn't quite over yet. Um, they signed Zach Jones. There's speculation that he will play. I'm not sure who he replaces. It's easy to say Smith, but you can't just you – know, their, their oldest defenseman, if Jones replaces Smith, is going to be Truba at 27. So – are they kind of anticipating Jones to play if mathematically eliminated, or are they looking at this final month, EJ, as like, yeah, it'd be nice if we made the playoffs, but if we can get all these kids to play in high-leverage games, we're going to be that much more ready next year. How do you think they play it? Well, I think you saw by what they did at the deadline that they are still in development mode. And uh, and I think that's wise. I, and I do think watching them the other night, particularly the young players, are playing really well. I mean, it was the young players that really, you know, pushed the envelope in that game against the Islanders. When you know the last forty minutes, the Rangers I thought really dominated that game. The Islanders were able to hang on to that tie. They got into overtime, and then Barzell and and Zajac and Pulak kind of combined and make a really nice play, and they end up in the game. But. Um, you know, I think that the Rangers, if they felt like they really wanted to make a push for a playoffs, you know, maybe they're out there trying to add a veteran here or there. But I, I think it's smart of the Rangers. I mean, these kids are playing pretty well. There's a lot to learn still. There's a lot, uh, you know, for this for this group uh, to kind of figure out over the course of this year and and in future seasons. But I think it's good to you know you bring in Jones, who just had a great experience in in. With UMass, one of the national titles, this, I've seen him play a couple of times. He's a he's a really talented puck mover, and uh, I'm sure they'll try to get him some games at some point. And you know what? If they continue to do well, I mean, it's, it, you you can have both. You can make a real push for the postseason here with the guys you have, and uh, you know you can still develop these kids and give them opportunities. So I, I, I mean, again, I can't say enough about the. You know the roster of really talented kids they have on the team now and that are coming. Yeah. And uh, you know you're right. The door is open. I mean the Boston Bruins are struggling. They are banged up on defense. They are banged up in the crease. 
Um, I know Jeremy Swayman is a, is a highly thought of prospect in goal and has played well for them. But still, uh, you know, they need to get Tukaras back in. And then they, they, you know, they're without McAvoy. They're without Grizzly. They're without a number of players on defense. I think the door is clearly open for the Rangers if they can put together that kind of winning streak you're talking about. Now, that said, the Bruins have six left with the Buffalo Sabres, and that does give them a little bit of advantage as well. And Those games in hand are meaningful. But, you know, I think it's a good stretch for the Rangers, uh, and it'll be a good opportunity to see these some kids playing some of the, as the pressure kind of ramps up a little bit. But, boy, I was impressed with what I saw the other night. Yeah. No, listen, and, and Fox right now is a stud, and I, and I think he should get consideration for the Norris. He's got a better plus-minus than Hedman. He's right there in points scored. And... I, I think it's an excellent opportunity here to be able to go into the last month. You make the playoffs great. If not, hey, it's still high leverage situations for these kids to play in. They've got the last two games of the season against Boston. So if they can keep it, you know, to, to three or four, possibly put themselves in a situation to make those games meaningful. And uh, it should be a lot of fun down the stretch. Before we say goodbye to you, EJ. Got a very interesting piece of news. Um, Michael Kay said he was talking to somebody up in Toronto. He didn't say who it was. And the, apparently the vaccination situation in Canada is a mess. And this person, this undisclosed person who's up in Canada, said that they got their first shot. Excuse me? Undisclosed. Undisclosed. Undisclosed person. Got yeah. their first shot within the last few days and is scheduled to get his second shot in four months like that's that's the wow. mess it is up there so we're not playing that border is not going to be open in time for the conference final in the final so everybody's a little sketchy on how it's going to be but uh, i think the ship is going to sail on you know the team that comes out of the canadian division that north division playing at home and now it's just a matter of whether it's going to be in a bubble. If it's Toronto, do they play in Buffalo? You know, will uh, because there there's going to be some places uh, where you could say, "Well, I don't want to play in a bubble. I I got fans in my building. You know, so I want to have those ten thousand people in my building." It's going to be interesting to see how the NHL plays it. Last time I talked to Gary Bettman about a month ago, it was still very much up in the air. But I think any holdout, EJ, that they're going to be able to cross that border in a couple of months I think is 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 starting to close so just speculation from you I know you've asked I've asked you before but as we get closer and closer to this how are they going to deal with the conference final yeah it's going to be uh I mean again the situation is fluid and I've heard those same things from Canada and you know in terms of the vaccinations there it's it's, it's troubling they don't have fans in the building in Canada yet so that's another circumstance. I, I, I mean, really, at the end of the day, all we are left to do is to speculate. I know the league has a lot of different options on the table, and you know, we've seen with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, I believe, and the Toronto Raptors, they have played in the United States, and I would think, just a guess on my part, is that maybe you play the you play the conference, you play the first two rounds in Canada, and then a team comes down, whoever it is, whether it's Toronto or Winnipeg or Montreal or or, uh, you know, whoever, or Edmonton, and then you settle in somewhere to a building, and that becomes your home rink for the next two rounds. But, again, that's just speculation on my part. Yeah, I just I, – I thought about it yesterday when I heard that, and I was always kind of, well, listen, the conference final, you get through the first two rounds. We've already extended the regular season now to May 16th to accommodate the Canucks. 
that maybe we'd be able to buy it enough time for it to not be an issue. But it, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. It, it really doesn't. So, and John, John it's, I would say, too, is I think it's still a consideration when you get to the Final Four that they go into a bubble for those because the, the problem they're going to have is they're not going to have a lot of time to finish out the playoffs. I mean, there's not going to be a big window on the back end that if somebody ends up having an outbreak that they are going to be able to complete the postseason. I mean, they want to get ready for next year to start on time. They have their national TV partner is NBC still, and that they have the Olympics, so the win- the, the, that window is troublesome. Uh, there are a lot of financial considerations at stake here for them and a lot of business considerations that – that make a bubble still an option, I would think, moving forward. Now, time will tell. It'll be different, as I said last year when we would talk. It'll be today is, uh, I believe it's April 13th. On May 13th, we could be living in a completely different circumstance. But it just seems to me that I think a bubble, for the, at least for the, for the Final Four, might still be something they have to consider because they don't have the time to go through a, a an outbreak if that would occur to one of the teams that is left in the playoffs at that time. No, that would be killer. If you had if you had a situation like what happened with Vancouver during the playoffs, I mean, that would just be killer, right? You just can't you can't pause things for two months. You can't. It, it'd be it'd be tough. It'd be really really difficult situation. So I, you're probably right. That's probably the best way to go. And you got to start planning that, you know, right away if you're going to get that done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say this, John. The league has been, you know, and again, I mean, I, I think the league has done a really good job for the most part in terms of uh, dealing with an unprecedented situation and trying to be light on its feet and be able to react to the circumstances as they occur. Uh, it's not been perfect by any stretch, but not been perfect for anybody so no. uh you know we'll see what happens next i guess that's where we're at because we're getting close i mean it's really it's around the corner and the season's going to be ending in a month or so and we're going to have to try to figure this out and everything with the pandemic is at a snail's pace right we've already 13 months into this thing and it doesn't look like it's going to it's getting better there's no question it's getting better but it's still here it's still a consideration and uh, all you need to look no farther than what's happened with Vancouver. And hopefully they'll be able to start playing uh, in a couple of days and, and, and make up their games and, and get it done. But, you know, who, who's to say that it's not going to happen again? You you said it so eloquently not long ago that when we we're trying to speculate what's going to happen, you know, down the stretch of the season, that's what could happen. Right? A team could be comfortably in the playoffs. Next thing you know, they don't play for two weeks and kind of messes everything up. So that is always kind of hovering around every decision around the corner but we got through the deadline we got games left to go here and it's always a pleasure man i know you're busy i know you had a hectic day yesterday but uh we wanted to just get your thoughts on uh everything that was going on we appreciate it john always a pleasure to chat as you know and uh listen it's gonna be a fun last couple of weeks so enjoy yeah i will enjoy you'll enjoy and we'll talk to you on monday you got it all right that's ej raddick the great DJ Raddick always getting a chance to talk to him and so now we now we embark on the rest of the season here it's it's pretty much a month left stretch run here not too many teams have a chance 
to make the playoffs. I think the Rangers are now alive just based on their schedule and how they're playing right now. Four points back of Boston. You know, Boston's only won five of their last ten goaltending issues, defensive issues. I guess Philadelphia's still mathematically alive, although they're not playing well either. But they're still on the table. Chicago is two points out of a playoff spot. Uh, Calgary starting to fade here with Montreal beating Toronto last night. So it's pretty much, I think, over for the Canadian teams. Vancouver's got a lot to make up, but they've played they still only two less games than Montreal, and they're 10 points back. So a lot of work there. Arizona's just a point back. San Jose, although they had a tough loss last night, a couple of bad losses for San Jose. Otherwise, they could be right in the mix. Still four points out. So there's still a couple of teams still alive, but uh, right now it's pretty much jockeying for position. Tonight, Rangers and Devils, four consecutive games for these teams because of the rescheduling when the Devils were during the pandemic. And listen, I know a Ranger fan's going to sit there and say, all right, you just got to win all those games. And it's easy to say that, especially with New Jersey struggling, only two wins in their last 10, made the deal, you know, dealing Palmieri and Zajac away, and, and, and Kulikov got dealt as well. But still, it's a rivalry, and to beat a team four straight times is tough. But I think the Rangers are going to have to do that to make up the ground, especially when Boston's playing Buffalo. Now, Buffalo has been a thorn in a lot of teams' side. Just ask the Philadelphia Flyers. But still, you know, Boston's not uh, not going to lose too often to the uh, Sabres. With Montour being dealt, Hall being dealt, Stahl being dealt, they got a lot of movement there. But still, you never know. Flyers and the Capitals. Philadelphia's got a tough stretch here. Calgary and Toronto, at least the Flames are catching the Leafs in the second of back-to-backs, but they're also catching the Leafs after a loss. Lightning and the Predators, that could be a preview of a first-round matchup at 8 o'clock. Panthers and the Stars from Dallas. Dallas trying to keep their hopes alive. They sit six points out of a playoff spot, but three games in hand on Nashville, so Dallas certainly still in the mix as well. Okay, we will be back with you again on Friday. Again, a little bit convoluted uh, with the schedule and everything. We didn't have one Monday. It didn't make any sense to do a podcast when 3 o'clock was the deadline. We would have missed a lot, especially that big deal uh, between the Detroit Red Wings and the Washington Capitals. So I'm glad we were able to get EJ on. Um, we'll be back again on Friday. We'll do our top five of the week and get you set up for the weekend and all that. So if you got it, want to get in touch with me, the best way to do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Thank you so much for participating. Talk to you again on Friday. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.